Well, that foundation, of course, begins with a very important revelation. We find it over in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creature of creation. The old has passed away. And what has happened? The new has come. And that, of course, is where everything begins for you and for me. But uh, he just doesn't want you to sit back on the new birth and not become everything he's called you to be. He wants you to reach your potential. Can you agree with that tonight? And so we have to understand how, uh, how that happens. And it's a process. It's, it's something that takes some time. It takes some diligence. It takes some effort on your part in terms of uh, spiritual disciplines. But there's not a, a single person that's born again who can't be what God's called them to be. In other words, the potential is already there. Look at somebody and tell them, you have potential for greatness in your life. There are people that uh, the devil's convinced that you're a second-class Christian citizen, and you may be born again and going to heaven one day, but you know what? God has destined everybody else to do things for me, but you're just going to get in there by the skin of your teeth and just have to enjoy one day when you're in heaven because God doesn't have much planned for you. Listen to me carefully. If you're born again, God has much planned for you. So raise your hand if you're born again. And if you don't raise your hand, we'll get you born again tonight. Amen. And then we can move forward with the message. Amen? But he does. But it has a lot to do with what you do as a child of God with that foundation. So let's talk a little bit more about this. You know, Job 8 says, you know, but your beginning may be humble and insignificant, but your future is going to be what? It literally says, so prosperous your future will be. Turn to somebody and say, he's talking about me. Of course, we look at Isaiah 42, 9, and we find out that God has a new thing for you. And our, our job is to listen for that new. Isaiah 43 tells us that we're to perceive the new thing, forget the former things. You know, it's very hard for you to move forward when you keep looking behind you all the time. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that he who bits his, man, his hand to the plow and looks back is not what? Is not fit for the kingdom of God, not fit for the ways of doing and being right. You and I have to be you know, making sure that we're looking in the right direction. Whatever God has for you, it's not behind you. Aren't you glad for that? He's got things in front of you, and you need to have your focus exactly where God wants it to be so you can become what He's called you to become. Now, the problem I have that I see right now in the body of Christ is there are so many voices out there. People are being distracted, they're being deceived, and they're being deluded. Say it with me. Distracted, distracted. deceived, deceived, and deluded. You say, why would that happen? Because they're taking their focus off of what actually shows them what they're called and destined to be. Anything that you're focused on that's inconsistent with the Word of God is going to diminish your ability to become what God has destined you to become. It's going to come through a focus, plain and simple, on the Word of God. John 1, 14 tells us, you know, the Word was what? Was with us in John 1, 1. What happens when He comes? He comes in flesh. But how do you understand? That tells you and me that there's something to our lives. God has something for us. God has something to do through us. And the Word became flesh and dwell among us. Your focus cannot be on your past failures. Can I have an amen? Raise your hand if you failed at something. Now, some of you shot your hands up really, really fast. I noticed that, like, really fast. And some of you are like, I have to think about that for a moment. <laughs> uh, how do you failed at something? You'd be amazed how the devil will use that to keep you bound up and from what God has for you in the future. You cannot be focused on, second of all, your present frustrations. Anybody here ever frustrated about something? Yeah. 
Let me rephrase that. Anybody ever frustrated about someone? You know, I, ne I never go, you know, down the road and look at a rock on the ground and say, you really frustrate me. You know, that's not what does it. I don't look at some inanimate, I don't, well, animals sometimes frustrate me. We'll just leave that alone for the night. <laughs> but how many you know, typically it's people. Turn to somebody and say, people frustrate me. And you'd be amazed if the devil can't keep you trapped in the past and past failures, he will keep you bound up by present frustrations. And that is not what God has for you. It's not in your past. It's not in your frustrations. And third, you'd be amazed how many people are bound up because they're, they're constantly dwelling on the fears of the future. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. No, he has not. We forget those things which are behind, Paul said, and we strain to what? To those things which are before. That's where that prize is. That's where that victory is. That's where that future is in him. I like Jeremiah 29, 11 because it speaks of a hope and a future. Not just for the nation of Israel, but for all who are called by his name. Say it with me, there's a future and there's a hope. That should be absolutely certain for you tonight. And if you don't believe that, you have to go back to square one, find out who you are in Christ and believe what he says about you. But if you're born again and you believe that, the next question is, well, then how do I get there? I mentioned Sunday morning that a lot of people that have experienced the new birth have gotten stuck between the new birth and their full transformation. They're stuck in a cocoon. God has designed for you to have metamorphosis in your life to go from one form to another. Everybody say from light and from death, from darkness to light, from death to life, from defeat to victory. In every area of your life, you're supposed to go through this metamorphosis. Yet, as a pastor, I've never seen more people stuck in a cocoon than I see right now. Not just inside this church. That's not the key. It's all over the body of Christ. They are not becoming what they're supposed to become. And why is that? Because people are confused. They're finding all kinds of things vying for their attention, all kinds of things trying to, trying to sidetrack them in terms of what they should listen to, what they should be receiving. I'm going to tell you what, you're in a day right now that you can suck on a piece of poison. It may stop you dead in your tracks for the rest of your life. You've got to be careful what you're taking into your ears and into your eyes. You've got to be careful where your focus is actually at. Amen? What does Hebrews 2 tell us? Anybody? <laughs> Fix your eyes on who? Fix your eyes. Come on, shout it out. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of what? Your face. So where do you fix your eyes? Jesus. We've learned that, um, you know, John said it, and we believe it. Say, I believe it. He said, I, beloved, I wish above all things. Yes. <laughs> wow. Is that not an amazing statement? Say, above all things. Now, you remember who John is. John is the one at the foot of the cross when Jesus has been crucified. Yep. John is the one that evades death multiple times to be the revelator of Jesus Christ in the end times. And we now see a lot of these things come to pass right in front of our eyes. This is John. John knew something about the heart of God. So when you bring up, I, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul, soul prospers, your health and every area of life is tied to your spiritual condition, and that is affected by what's going on in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Say that with me. My mind must be 
continually renewed. Say it with my emotions cannot be allowed to run my life. Say it, my will must be submitted to His. So at any given day, if your mind's being renewed and your will is being submitted and you're being led by the Spirit of God and not controlled by your emotions, that's a day where you potentially qualify for the prosperity that he's talking about. How do you know getting all that in sync <laughs> is not exactly the easiest thing to do? Well, you're not supposed to do it by yourself. You're supposed to do it with the supernatural help of the Spirit and with the power that comes from the Word of God. And so your focus has to be on Jesus. Now, I've never had a visitation with Him. I've never been to heaven, and He's never come down here and visited me. I've never had that theophany experience. I know people uh, associated with this ministry. Some people have had some very powerful encounters, including visitations. I haven't had that. So the question is for people like me, how do I fix my eyes on the One who is at the right hand of the Father? How do I do it? You do it through the Word of God. If you're going to prosper in this year, if you're going to have a great year, it's going to be because of what you decided to do with the Word of God. And it's subtle out there. I mentioned the, the Chosen series. Everybody say, God bless the writers and the producers and the actors that are doing the Chosen. It's fascinating to see a new generation present the gospel and drama. But here's the deal. You have to do, you know, due diligence with any kind of thing you're watching because it can be very, very subtle. How quickly you could be pulled off of what the Word of God says in a situation. Now, just to recap that, they had a, a recent episode where James the Less, one of Jesus' disciples, is portrayed as being infirmed, and he couldn't possibly have kept up with them all the traveling they did, but he was portrayed as infirmed, had a conversation with Jesus, asked to be healed, and the Lord told him no. Uh -uh. Now, what's the problem with that? First of all, there's nowhere in Scripture that tell it. I said Scripture. Say it with me, Scripture. Come on, say it. The Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says James was infirmed. There's nothing in the Bible that says there's a conversation between Jesus and James the less where he was asked to be healed and he was turned down. And even more importantly than those two points, you can't find anywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John where Jesus was approached and he turned somebody down. No, that's right. You say, well, what happened there? What happened was some secessionist thinking got in there. The healing was only to prove his divinity and his power. And they misunderstand this difference. It's not about proving he is God. He doesn't have no. to prove he's God. That's right. And in fact, he becomes a God must believe that he is, and then he's a you know, is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's what the scripture says. Yes. What what do they misunderstand when it comes to this particular principle? Now, if you, you know. If you're like me, when I first got saved, I don't know why, but I read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I noticed something. I came to this very conclusion. I said, I said to myself, so every time somebody came to him, I didn't have any, this is no doctrinal, you know, theology. I had no training. I had no teaching. I was not discipled. I just read through those four gospels. And you know what I said to myself? He never turned anybody down. As a baby, baby Christian, that was one of the first revelations that I actually had. So what do you do? You say, well, the chosen can't teach me anything? No. 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 That's to be the modern version of the Facebook Pharisee. 
No, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that with any ministry. If a Sunday school teacher, even in this church, you know, stumbles on something, well, I can't receive from them, that's an arrogant, unteachable spirit. You just chew the meat. Come on, say it with me. Chew the meat and spit the bones out. In other words, be a critically thinking Christian where you actually have a mind that God gave you and a knowledge of the Scripture, and you just move on. I'm not going to campaign against the chosen, but I'm going to tell you, be careful that what is taught, what you hear, is consistent with the Word of God. Because there was a a theological filter placed over that episode that shouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Say it with me, He healed them all. The Gospel according to Matthew, Matthew said He went around preaching, teaching, and healing. Say it with me, preaching, teaching, and healing. That's what the Word says. The deception, the distraction, the delusion hitting people even in the church, it's because they've pulled away from the Word of God and began to give their ear to other voices. Turn to somebody and tell them, stick with the Word. There's a reason why, you know, we've heard this for years from Brother Copeland, and I I believe it and say it all the time, you make the Word of God first place, place. and then you make it Final authority. The modern church makes it last place, if they do at all. And then the consults it when everything's falling apart and there's no one else to talk to, maybe we'll see what the Word says. And if it, if it has authority, that's also questionable. But the believer makes it first place. What does that mean? It's the first place you go to for counsel. Let me try that again. It's the first place you go to for counsel. And then once you receive that counsel, what do you do with it? You don't take a poll after that. Nope. Well, do you think Jesus is a healer? Do you think this has passed away? Do you think the gifts of the Spirit are for today? No, that's all irrelevant because the Word has already you know, addressed that particular issue. It's final authority. That's right. Say it with me, first place. First Say it again, first place. First place. And final, and final. authority. In other words, if you put your focus on what everybody else thinks and what those folks over here think instead of what the Word says, that's going to be a recipe for you to live far below your privileges. You can't prosper and be in good health if spiritually you're not doing well. And a lot of people aren't doing well because they're not what? Not in the Word. It's as simple as that. And Wednesday night's great. Glad you're here. Look at somebody and say, I'm glad you're here too. Sunday's great, but guess what? That's not going to cut it. Amen. We're living in a day where there's just information overload and very little wisdom. <laughs> Everybody has an opinion. I was talking to Bryce about this the other day. If I make a post on Facebook about how much I love apples, somebody taxed me because I didn't include you know, oranges. That's how they think. This is how this world thinks right now. I'm not going to make a post about every single kind of fruit and the value of every kind of fruit. I'm just simply saying, I like it. But this is how this world now thinks. That's true. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a believer has got to be, you know, living a little bit differently than that way. They have to understand what God's Word says and stick to the Word of God when they discover what God says. Mm-hmm. Stick to it. And be disciplined. Amen. First time that uh, we ever went to a believers type of meeting, a victory campaign in Chattanooga. And incidentally, if you're interested in going to a great meeting, the, the believers, 
meeting's going to be in Chattanooga again this year in the summer. Uh, that, that meeting, uh, well, there are three meetings, I'll just tell you this. The first meeting where God just absolutely nailed me was at um, a Thanksgiving conference that John Osteen had. And Brother Schambach was there, T.L. Osborne was there, um, you know, uh, Brother Hagen was speaking one night. And when Schambach got up to speak, that's when the Lord called me to preach. I mean, it's as if everybody else and eight, nine, ten thousand people just disappeared. It was just him and me and the Holy Ghost. I remember it like it was yesterday. The second impactful time was actually in, in Lakewood services where God began to really speak to me about what the truth is and what, uh, what I'm supposed to live up to and what I'm supposed to do with my life. And then another impactful meeting was in 95, we went to Chattanooga. And, uh, and this is what I'm telling people today. Look at somebody and say, it takes some discipline, it takes some discipline. to have victory. Come on, say it with me. It takes, it takes discipline to have victory. Uh, so I knew it was called, and I, I knew what God wanted me to do, but uh, that meeting was instrumental. It was like uh, October of 95, and it was uh, down by the university. And uh, I'm, I'm listening. It's Thursday night, and I'm, I'm listening to Brother Copeland, and he goes, he's just droning on and on and on. I know some of you are thinking, just like you sometimes, on <laughs> and on. And on. And probably about, I don't know, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, maybe an hour into it. <laughs> and he was into it. He was teaching on the anointed one in his anointing. Most of us found out through a ministry like that that Christ was never Jesus' last name. You see how Western our thinking is? John Smith, Jesus Christ, must be his last name. And I think it's amazing that it wasn't a Greek scholar that had to bring that revelation to the body of Christ in America. <laughs> it means the anointed one and the anointing that he is anointed with. And about 45, 50 minutes, an hour into this thing, it's as if, again, everything that came out of his mouth was prophetic and very much what I was supposed to hear at that moment. And I learned something about that, not just the impartation. And I was never the same. People that, that knew me before or knew me after, even my own family, uh, even people in the church knew that something had happened in, in that meeting. And then shortly thereafter, we transitioned over here. But here's my, here's my point. The, this thing, this anointing, this prophetic thing on his life didn't even start really going until what? A long, long time of, of setting that, that message up. And do you know where most people, they can make it till the first, he goes on. By the time they get to he's on and on and on, they're gone. They're gone mentally or emotionally or spiritually and oftentimes even physically. I can't handle it anymore. I've been sitting here long enough and I'm out of here. And you'd be amazed how many Christians have forfeited their victory because they couldn't tell their flesh to sit down and shut up long enough to receive what God had for them. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that revelation. <laughs> and not much has changed today in the body of Christ. Well, I know prophetically God called this group on Wednesday night the Overcomers Club. Yes, If you stumble into here, God has destined you to be a winner and be victorious more than a conqueror. But it's going to come from having the right focus and having a discipline about that focus. And this year, more than ever, uh, with all the deception that's out there, all the voices that are out there, you're going to have to pin yourself to the Word of God like you never have before. And if somebody goes crossways with that, you love them. Say them. I love them. Love. Come on, say I love them. I love I'm not going to make fun of them. I'm not going to make fun of them. 
not going to oppose them, and I'm not going to treat them like they don't have any value. But you have got to be able to pick up the nuances that can absolutely undermine and poison somebody's faith. Imagine you're watching The Chosen, and you've been believing God for healing. And now all of a sudden, instead of believing God for healing, you just say, well, you know, I'm just going to have to suffer through this and learn something that Jesus is teaching me, blah, 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 blah. And you know what? He'll, he'll use me and, and, and glorify him through my suffering. No, we don't glorify him through our suffering. He glorified himself through his suffering. That's it. This false doctrine of I somehow lifted him up by what I go through. He's the one that went through it. He's the one that did it. He's the one that is still providing us with transformation and glorification. And say it's all about him. him. Say it again, it's about him. him. But the way he transforms and the way he causes us, you know, to, to live at that next level is through a relationship that we don't have physically with him, but it's spiritually. And that connecting point for us for this season is through, of course, the word of God. And then the word of God abides for how long? For all eternity. You're going to see him one day. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, you are literally going to be standing in the presence of the one who came, who died, who was raised from the dead. Amen. But the revelation you have to get is that if you sit down with the word of God open to be taught by it, you're having just as much a spiritual connection as if he was physically in the room with you. And when you get that revelation, it's going to change your approach to the Word of God, what you think about it. You're going to go from religion to, oh my goodness, I am actually communing with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And now your spirit is open to hear what you need to hear. A lot of us are defeated because we missed that little kernel of truth we needed to just press through in that situation. And it would have come. Every time, every time. And I'm not going to say if you just go religiously through it, it's going to work for you. But every time you open up that word and you have that expectation that he is there, he is going to speak by the Spirit of God to your heart. No matter how many times you read a scripture. How many of you had experience of a scripture you knew, you thought you knew. And then the Holy Spirit told you the truth about that scripture. And now you know. Is it okay to be corrected by God? Yes. If you're not being corrected by God as you read the word, then something's really wrong. Just look at somebody and tell them, you haven't arrived. arrived. Tell them, you're a nice person, but you're not there yet. (laughs) Amen. How do you make the most of a a great new year? You get your eyes off of your past failures. Say, my past failures. It is not biblical for you to pound yourself and condemn yourself and walk around like you lost your best friend just because you didn't do everything perfectly. You're in good company tonight. Nobody in this room has been perfect. You get your eyes off your present frustrations. Whatever's going on is robbing your focus and your time with him and energy spent being frustrated. You should shift that to being in his word. Get your eyes off your future fears. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? Say it with me. I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on, confess it again. I don't have... A spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Glory to God. Listen, this is the kind of year that uh, you need to draw on everything you've been taught. Not just what's being taught in the present, but I mean everything that God has spoken to you through His Word. You're going to draw on it this year. 
You are not going to be defeated for what the devil would like to do in this nation. You are not going to be defeated with what the devil will try to do in your family. You're more than a conqueror. Amen? Amen. You're an overcomer. Amen. So I want you to see this in more detail. Get your eyes off of those failures, frustrations, and fears and put them on Jesus. And how do you do it? By putting them on the Word. Very squarely on the Word of God. Go with me over to Joshua real quickly. And just write this down, right? Joshua 1 and Psalm 1, right next to it. We be the Overcomers Club. Joshua 1. When you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. Then around verse 6 or so, be strong and courageous because you'll lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Everybody say, Great New Year. Great New Year. And here's how you do it practically. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, never stop talking the word. Even if everyone around you thinks you're a nut, what do you do? You keep talking the word of God. Meditate on it day and night. Mutter it. Think about it. Roll it over in your mind. Say it again so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How is he going to be with him? In supernatural fashion and form, you know, the way he, he ministered through Israel's history but specifically through the Word of God that is in his heart and in his mouth in abundance. It's very, very simple. Put the Word of God in your heart, have it come out of your mouth, and it's going to cause you to be successful. God's no respecter of persons. Now watch how secessionists will view this. Watch how somebody that, that uh, you know, thinks that you just get saved and you die and you go to heaven, that's the end of the story. There's nothing else here. Move along. Uh, Joshua had a revelation that what you look at, what you put in your heart, what you say with your mouth impacts your future. Yeah. And he's in charge of this entire group of people. I mean, how are the people that are dependent on you? Amen. I mean, you want to be successful in the eyes of the people that are around you so you can lead them as well. You're going to have to get a hold of this revelation. He never stopped bringing it in. He never stopped talking. He never stopped meditating on the Word of God. And who is responsible ultimately for his success? The Lord, but through the agency of the relationship he had with the Word of God. This is not a time to back off of the Word of God. This is a time to dive in like you never have before. Amen? Look at somebody say, in your heart, in your heart. and in your mouth. In your and how mouth. do you get it in your heart? You put it first before your eyes. Your focus needs to be on the Word of God. You put it in your ears. You listen to people proclaiming the Word of God. You listen to people teaching the Word of God. Make sure these people are people of faith. Don't waste your time putting poison in your ears. 
You find something that is just completely out of, out of balance with the Word of God, and it seems like every time you hear something, there's something that contradicts the Word of God, you know that person's not operating from a place of revelation. Let me just be as blunt as I can. A spirit-filled preacher of the Word is going to have revelation that a non-spirit-filled preacher does not have. You may not like hearing that. You may think that everybody that is saved is going to have the same level of revelation. That's just not the case. You say, why is that? Because if you have more of the Holy Ghost, you're going to have more of the teacher. You're going to have more revelation. So that's the first thing you want to find out. That doesn't mean, again, that somebody can't teach you anything. I'm just simply saying, be very judicious with what you're taking in your eyes and taking in your ears. Remember that little saying when you were in you know, the first grade level of, of, of uh, you know, uh, going to school, Sunday school, it was be careful. Little eyes what you see, be careful. Little ears what you hear. The three gates that are responsible for the deposits of your heart, the eye gate, the ear gate, and the mouth gate. Make sure it's the Word of God. Meditate on it day and night. He said if you do this, you'll be careful to do the Word of God and you'll make your way. God said, Joshua, you will make your way successful. Turn to somebody and tell them, you will make your way successful. Say it again, you will make your way successful. Uh, focusing on what? On your past? On your frustrations? On your fears? No. These will constantly bombard you every time you turn around trying to get you to take your eyes and attention off the Word of God and just say, no, uh, I'm not going to do it. And if you listen carefully as you're in prayer, as you're in the Word of God, He'll say something that'll transform your life. And if you apply it, it'll cause that victory to come up in your life. Amen. Glory to God. This is a time where people make resolutions about their health. Anybody make a resolution about your health? How much you're going to run or what you're not going to eat? You all don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> You just, you, you, you just, every single year it doesn't work out, so you just decided, I ah, forget it. What's the point? But you know, um, one word from God can change your life forever. He knows you. He knows what you need to do. Uh, so the foundation of being able to hear from God is a foundation of what did God say in His Word. If you don't have that foundation then it's going to be very difficult for you to pick up from the Spirit of God what He needs you to hear. Amen. I mean, like the, the fact that you can amplify a sound and hear it. Right? We have a lot of people in our church with hearing issues, and they can use these devices. They can actually amplify what's being said. Modern hearing aids like Beltone, you can actually control them from your iPhone and neither turn them up or turn them down. If somebody talks like a mouse, you can turn them up. If somebody is overbearing like Todd, you can turn them down. <laughs> Amen. Amen, bro. They don't need a my girl. No, no, no. <laughs> what happens is you amplify the voice of God when you spend time in His Word. In fact, you amplify any voice by spending time in that realm. Go over to Psalm 1 real quickly. If you will digest, read, and apply 
Joshua 1 and Psalm 1, you'll have a terrific year. You'll know exactly what to do every step of the way. The devil will do his best, but guess what? His best won't be good enough. This is really it here. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates Sunday once every three weeks. Day and night. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. But the Lord watches over the way of the, uh, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Everybody said, I'm going to be on the righteous side of this one. Grab a hold of this tonight and just think about this. What you do with the word determines your level of success. What you do, not what mom and them do, not what somebody else does, not what the preacher does with it. What you do with the word of God is going to determine your personal level of success. For example, he talks about walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You say, what does that mean? It means the thoughts and the values and the beliefs of the people around you. You're exposed to it every single day. Now you have a decision whether you're going to follow it. It should not come as a surprise to you that people of the word reject this entire trans movement in this world. And if you think it's just the United States, it's not. The Church of England just ordained a trans person the other day. And not only is there an issue over gender fluidity, there's also now the follow-up to that, the perversion of the doctrine that will justify this and change the course of the mandate of why we're here as Christians in the first place. Now, you're going to have to make up your mind at some point in time. Risk being called a hater or speak the truth in love. Amen? You can't be in the truth and in error at the same time. And you can't walk in truth and be silent when it's being crammed down the throats of our kids, in our schools, in our universities, and just sit there and say, well, that's not my war. It is your war. Because it says in Psalm 1 that you do not do this. You do not walk, what? In the counsel of the ungodly, the thoughts, the values, the beliefs. Or stand in the way of sinners. That means the actions and the deeds and the habits of those who contradict God's word. Couldn't be plainer. It's right there before us right now. What about this one? Or sit in the seat of mockers. <laughs> Mocking of God and his word at an all-time high. This past week... Uh, News broke that uh, there's an adjunct professor at a university. He showed two images of Muhammad. Muslim students didn't like that very much. So you know what they did? They fired the instructor because it offended the Muslim students because they depicted Muhammad, which in their religion is not something they should be doing. But you can say anything about Jesus in that same university, and no one cares. No one cares about how it offends us. 
The things they say that he did, the perverted life they try to profess that he carried out and its, its followers and how terrible we are. I mean, they can say anything they want and get away with it. That's how you know that you're living the truth. Amen. The one that's being attacked incessantly, even though he came in love and died for you and for me. Amen. He is, of course, the bearer of truth. And you and I need to have that same you know, mentality. We're going to stand up for what is true. Um, is it easy? No. Um, a preacher in London was arrested for just simply saying that there are two genders, male and female. God made them male and female. And female. And this one person that was ordained, a trans person, said, well, that doesn't mean male and female. It means maleness on the way to femaleness. What, but what if they go the other way? I guess the ones that are female going to male are out of luck. Said that the Holy Spirit gave them this revelation as they read Genesis one evening. It does not mean... Maleness going to femaleness. It means male and female. It means he made two categories. Male and female. Not male becoming female or female becoming male. You understand what's going on here? The assault is actually on God himself. And that's why you and I just can't say, well, not our war. We don't want to be called you know, bigots and haters. No, all we have to do is just stick to the Word of God, stick to the theology. That's all you have to do. He made them what? Male and female. Male and female. And female. Now, if Barb here comes to church on Sunday and she says, uh, I identify now as a, as a rhinoceros. <laughs> you say, that's ridiculous. She clearly is not a rhinoceros. <laughs> Timothy said he wondered if I identified as a giraffe one time. <laughs> no. But if I did that, you'd look at me and say, what? There's something really wrong with this guy if he really believes he's a giraffe. But once you go down this path of error, you now have the right to identify as anything you want to. Or you can stick to the Word of God. Turn to somebody and tell them, stick to what God said. This is all an abomination that you have no business partaking in. You have no business condemning and hating people. But which is the real hatred? Watching somebody live out a lie in the name of fluidity and tolerance? who could potentially sacrifice their eternal soul in doing so, is that love? No. No, it's not. We're called to speak the truth in love, and sometimes speaking the truth in love is hard to receive. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Glory to God. If you don't believe that, just ask me as a pastor. In America, if you just even minorly correct a Christian, oh, dear Jesus, it's World War III. And yet, how are you going to grow if from time to time you're not corrected? And so what has happened is we have a culture down the American church where anything goes. Say nothing, do nothing. Just the only thing that matters is we have people in the seats. No, what matters is that the people in the seats 
a.k.a. year of transformation, change. Devon, say it. I am applying my faith for change this year. Oh, I don't need to change anything. Yeah, you do. Starting with that. Let's start with your pride and arrogance that you have arrived. Amen. Everybody knows you haven't. Well, I identify as perfect. You keep saying that. No. What kind of person is this? This is a person the Bible says who delights in. Write this down. To delight in something means to derive your greatest pleasure from. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? I derive my greatest pleasure from what? Meditating on the word day and night. A Christian who never picks that Bible up, that all the pages are stuck together 20 years after someone gave it to him, probably isn't delighting in the Word of God. If you're that person that stuck your Bible on top of your car when you were getting the kids in the car, and you drove down the highway and it flew off into a ditch and you haven't missed it, you probably don't delight in the Word of God. <laughs> oh, you found it, praise the Lord. I didn't know. I didn't know. I wasn't picking on you. I didn't know you did that. So you, you don't have kids. So <laughs> I suppose there are other reasons why you could do that. <laughs> well, if you're never in it, you're not delighting in it. If you're not, uh, you know, dialed in when the word's going forth, you're not delighting in it. You need to delight in what? In the Word of God. Make it your greatest source of pleasure. And this is the kind of mindset that transforms your life and gives you victory in every area of life. Day and night. What does he mean by that? It means the Word's always on your mind. And it's always in your mouth. Come on, say always. 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 always on your mind. On your mind. Always, always. In your mouth. mouth. Say it again. Day and night. Day and always, night. Always, always. In my mind. Always on my mouth. Now, that's a tall order, isn't it? How much of our day is filled with anything but the word on our mind? And how much of our mouth is filled with things that are not consistent with the word of God? Amen. For the person that does this, though, there are some great promises. Write these down. First of all, you'll be established. Oh, to have more Christians who are established, fixed. Stable versus flaky, goofy, kooky, spooky, established. I mean, I, I think about people like uh, you know, Craig back there. Everybody say, God bless Craig. God bless Craig. You know, he is faithful before Miss Kay went home to be with Jesus. And he hadn't flinched since Miss Kay went home to be with Jesus. We need more like you, brother. Amen. Know what they believe. Yeah, give them a hand clap. Amen. Know what they believe. Amen. Glory to God. Did he ever tell you all about the day they were supposed to get married? It's about four o'clock, wasn't it? You're going to get married at four o'clock, and uh, she's in a store. He's waiting for her. She comes out with a basket load of stuff, and he looks at her and says, did you forget something? And she thought she, he meant from the store. He was talking about the wedding. 
<laughs> but uh, amen. They got married and she's with our Lord today. I can't tell you how many people have a significant life change of some kind. And it, listen, it's not about whether something made them stable or not, made them established or not. All that did was reveal whether they were stable or not. The happening shows you the condition you're in when it happens. And that's why you have to build your foundation on the Word of God by hearing and doing it. And if you will, you'll be established. We need some people that are established, that you can count on, that you can trust to follow through what God said to them to do. Not change with every whim. What is that an indicator when you and I are up and down, we're in, we're out, instead of being, you know, consistent, we're flaky and flighty, it's because we have not made the Word of God first place in our lives. What do we make? Our feelings. I taught years ago on walking in the peace of God and letting the peace of God rule in your heart. And I found that there are a few people in the church that found out how to take that principle and then baptize it in emotion. It has nothing to do with emotion. And so their, their language would be, I don't have a peace. I don't have a peace. I don't have a peace. All they're saying is a new phrase of phraseology is I just don't feel that or feel like it. Now we're talking about supernatural peace because of right relationship with God and a relationship with His Word. And when there's a check there, you know that that's not of God. You see, the, the norm is to have the peace. Right. Say it with me. The static condition, the static is, condition. is the peace, not trying to work it up. And where did you get that peace? I'll tell you where. Because you kept your mind on him, Isaiah 26.3. You kept it stayed on him. And in Psalm 119.165, great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. You have great peace to walk in. And you're established. Amen. I said it before, I'll say it again. God's not looking for flash in the pans or the flamboyant. He's looking for boring Christians. Just consistent. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because that's the kind he can use. Second great promise for this is you'll be nourished. You're planted by streams of water. Uh, when you're hooked into the word, you'll always stay nourished and you'll always stay vibrant. You'll be well fed and watered. Uh, I have a peace lily in my office that uh, was given to, you know, the uh, family when my dad you know, went home to be with Jesus. And uh, I notoriously do not have a green thumb. It's not a bad confession. It's just the way it is. And so this is supposed to be one of the easiest plants to keep alive. And I found out that after a few days of ignoring it and the blinds not open, that it will just, I mean, the whole thing like that. And uh, it looks like it's about gone. A few more days, and it might be. Well, I'll walk over there and i say, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> pour some water in there. And I'm not kidding you. An hour or two later, like I like the pastor's been doing it right all along. Amen. Bring you some peace, Lily. Up <laughs> there, it is. Um, that's the power of the Word of God when you're connected to it. Avoid it, and you will stay involved with it, relationship with it, and you'll be nourished all the days of your life. Say it with me. I'm established. And nourished. And not just nourished, but according to the Word of God here, fruitful. Yes. You meditate and day and night, you're going to bear fruit. Yes. 
That means fruit of a Christian is another Christian. You're going to win people, disciple people, and you're going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because you're connected in a serious relationship with the Word of God. Everybody say day and night. Night and day. Amen. In my mind. In my mouth. I'm established. I'm nourished. And I'm fruitful. So it doesn't take me very long to discern, not judge, not put somebody down, but just discern what they've been doing with the actual Word of God, not some man's doctrine or book somewhere. But I mean the Word of God, not some YouTube channel or Facebook, you know, hack, but the Word of God. Say the Word of God. The Word of God. Uh, I know just by looking at the disposition which is reflected by somebody walking in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. And when somebody is not displaying that, what does that tell you? Whatever they've been hooked to, it's not the Word of God. Because when you hook up to the Word of God and you've been unkind to somebody, you know what's going to happen? El correcto. El rebuco. Amen. If, in fact, you're in the Word, say the Word, there should be more what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Amen. And people will try you out there. Amen. We live uh, east of here, off of 94 East. And uh, you'd be amazed how fast some people drive by this road. But you'd be even more amazed how slow some people drive (laughs) on this road. The record I've seen is 25 miles per hour. And it's not a road where there's lots of places to pass. And so I just sit there being holy. You know, and looking for some way. And next thing you know, there's like 50 cars behind you. And somebody just decided, you know, and they probably should be ticketed for that kind of thing, but they never get ticketed for going too slow. But if you're going to interact with people, you're going to have lots of opportunities to display whether you've been established, amen, and nourished or not. Amen. Anybody here ever just uncork on somebody and instantly felt the pain and conviction for doing so? That's because something's on the inside of you and talking to you. That's right. The Word of God. Number four, you're resilient. You can take a licking and keep on ticking. Amen. Some of y'all remember when your kids weebles wobble? (laughs) But they don't fall down. What do they do? I'm trying to cover several generations here, so be patient with me. Amen. Well, you knock them and they go right back up again. Now, going back a few years back beyond that, you had a little bozo to clown. Y'all remember those? You'd blow them up and you'd punch them. What do they do? They come back up again. And when you're about three years old and they come back at you, it's pretty freaky. <laughs> but you're resilient. I could go through this room today and just point out what I've seen some people go through and they're still serving God, still walking with God. Still serious about the things of God. Yes. A lot of the people that have not developed that resentment because they didn't have that foundation, they're not going to do very well because they didn't take the time before the thing happened. Yeah, you can build a house in a storm, but it's far more difficult. Yeah. I encourage you to what? To build now. Yes. If you have peace now, build like you never had before. Establish that foundation and be resilient. That is one of the greatest markers of Christian spiritual maturity that there is. No matter what happens, no matter what you hear, you're consistent day by day, week by week, 
month by month. And this last uh, promise is very simple. He said he'll make your way prosperous. You'll be successful. According to Psalm 1, it's the same concept, success and prosperity, well-being in every area of life. Beloved, I wish above all things thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul is prospering. Can you see that a soul is prospering is tied to the Word of God? Like never before. Amen. You're going to be prosperous. You're going to have success. You're going to have well-being in every area of life. You say, why would that be? Because this is not just uh, some book somebody calls holy and, you know, we teach from it and try to control people's lives with it, you know, and tell them this is how they have to live. God has put resident supernatural power, delegated power in the Word of God to bring itself to pass when it is read, understood, and applied consistently. It's in the actual receiving and the doing. But nobody ever does what they don't know. Nobody ever does something they don't know. You know, they're not going to carry out something they've not been familiar with. And so what do you do? You receive it. You believe it. And you act on it. And you get up tomorrow and do what? The same thing. Because you're going to have a great year. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Come on, everybody say it. I am, I am planted, planted, nourished, nourished fruitful, fruitful, resilient, resilient and, prosperous. and prosperous. Come on, say it boldly. I am planted, I am planted nourished, Fruitful, resilient, and prosperous. And how'd you get that way? Because you delight yourself in the Word of God. Day and night, you meditate upon it. It stays in your mouth, and it stays in your mind. Amen. You're on your way to uh, some of the greatest things you've ever observed as a Christian. Amen. When sin doth abound, what happens? Grace doth abound all the more. We're in that season where, and I know it's a paradox for some people, they don't understand that, that I can, it be the absolute worst of times. And for the believer and for the mission of God, be what, the best of times? It's all about understanding God's Word. Amen. Aren't you glad for it? Come on, say it. I'm a Word person. Say it first place. Final authority. What do you need to do going into this year? Make a commitment to be in that Word like you never have before. And if you have problems reading the Word of God or problems with your eyes, get it on tape, get it on CD, do whatever you have to do. Make whatever accommodation you can to keep it going in. Instead of going down the highway every day, driving 5, 10, 15 miles to work, why don't you put in a teaching tape or CD? Why don't you put in something that's going to build your faith? Put in some praise music, some worship music. Lady Kelly's been bringing up all this old praise and worship music in our house, going way back to like Maranatha and Hosanna. You remember Hosanna? Uh, what are those guys' names again? Integrity Hosanna. Yeah. What's the guy's name of the worship leader? Don Moen. Don Moen. It is the whitest worship music in the history of the church. No question about it. My heart you know, is in you, Lord. Yeah. And then if you go back to Maranatha, which was, you know, way before Integrity, who actually started this whole worship business of recording stuff, I noticed something about them. When I was listening to some of the stuff that she'd been listening to, nobody harmonizes. (laughs) Nobody. Ever. I thought, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, but whatever ministers to you. That's it. Amen. I would. 
wasn't really trying to be funny. <laughs> uh, but uh, years went by, and there was the Brownsville revival. Amen. God had in season some powerful stuff and the chill, the truth of those songs and what he did is supernatural. Amen. And we've seen what God did through Hillsong, what he's doing through Bethel. He has a way of inspiring praise and worship in every generation. And you'll find the certain things that really encourage you and build you up to make sure what they're singing is scriptural. Amen. Let me turn on the radio and listen to there's a tear in my beard because I'm crying for your dear. No, that's not going to help you. <laughs> Amen. Listen to a song about how you, you know, your wife left you, took everything, including your dog. That was your dog. Uh, what's that going to do for you? It's not about legalism and Phariseeism. It's just practicality. You can't listen to stuff like that all the time and then have the Word of God living large on the inside of you. And today's modern music, I mean, aside from like it can't compete to bands like the Eagles, I mean, just let's be honest about it, it just can't. It's just, it's just ridiculously bad compared to that. It's filled with all kinds of filth. Yes. Guard your ears. Guard your eyes. Amen. In every single context. And say, so, you know what? I'm going to just take that time and just put it towards the Word of God and see what God builds on the inside of me. And you'll be fine. Amen. But... Uh, you know, some people that love Southern gospel. Oh, yeah. Yes. Hello. I, I love Southern gospel. And I'm thinking about having a Southern gospel night. All right. I won't be here, but we're going to have one. You can enjoy it. <laughs> All you want to. Kelly will MC the service. It'll be wonderful. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes, praise the Lord. So what's the key to a great new year? Your relationship with the Word. Your focus, amen, on the Word of God like never before. Give him a big hand clap and thank him tonight.